Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi, and welcome back to the Old Testament podcast. This is going to be for Numbers chapter 16. This is going to be a little different. Okay, now Korah, Korah, the son of Izar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dothod, and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, the sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves among the congregation of the Lord? And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face, and he spake unto Korah and unto all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who is who are his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near unto him, even him whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. This do, take you censers, Korah and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. And Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray you, the sons of Levi. Seemeth it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel hath separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them? Now remember that since these are all of the tribe of Levi, these are, just, these are relatives of Moses. These aren't just other tribes, these are relatives of him. And he hath brought thee near to him, and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee, and seek ye the high priesthood also. And they're talking here about the Melchizedek priesthood. For which caused both thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord, and what is Aaron that ye murmur against him? And Moses said, and said to, to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, Will we not come up? Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of the land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us? Moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey, or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will, wilt thou put out the eyes of these men as will, as will not come up? And Moses was very wroth, and said unto the Lord, Respect now, Respect not thou their offering. I have not taken one one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. And Moses said unto Korah, Be thou and all thy company before the Lord, thou and they and Aaron tomorrow. And take every man his censer, and put incense in them, and bring ye before the Lord every man his censer, two hundred and fifty censers, thou also and Aaron, each of you his censer. And they took every man his censer, and put fire in them, and laid incense thereon, and stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Separate 
separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell upon their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou be wroth with all the congregation? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dothan and Abiram, in other words, the dwelling places, not uh, the tabernacle itself, but the tents of these three. And Moses rose up and went unto Dothan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest ye be consumed in all their sins. So they gat up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram on every side, and Dathan and Abiram came out, and stood in the door of their tents, and their wives, and their sons, and their little children. And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of mine own hand, of mine own mind. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, in other words, by death as all men are, then the Lord hath not sent me. In other words, if they live long enough to just die of old age, then the Lord is not with Moses. But if the Lord make a new thing, and the and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses, their households, and all the men that appertained unto Korah, and all his all their goods, they and all that appertained to them, went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel that were that were round about them fled at the cry of them, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. And there came out a fire from the Lord, and consumed the two hundred and fifty men that offered incense. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Eleazar the son of Aaron the priest, that he take up the censers out of the burning, and scatter thou the fire yonder, for they are they are hallowed. The censers of these sinners against their own souls, let them make them broad plates for a covering of the altar, for they offered them before the Lord, therefore they are hallowed, and they shall be a sign unto the children of Israel. And Eleazar the priest took the brazen censers wherewith they that were burnt had offered, and they were made broad plates for a covering of the altar, to be a memorial unto the children of Israel, that no stranger or unauthorized person, which is not of the, of the seed of Aaron, come near to offer incense before the Lord, that he be not at, as Korah, and as his company, as the Lord said unto him by the hand of Moses. All right, a little bit of an explanation here that might help. In Korah's rebellion is a direct challenge to Moses and Aaron's leadership. Up to this time, Israel was constantly murmuring and complaining, but apparently this was a greater attempt to replace Moses as the one chosen by God to lead his people. Miriam's and Aaron's rebellion was an attempt to be equal with Moses, but it did not seek to overthrow him. Korah, a Levite, had 250 of Israelites of Israel's most prominent leaders behind him when he accused Moses and Aaron of taking too much upon themselves. Korah's statement that all the congregation are holy, every one of them, is similar to that of the apostate Zoramites, who in their great wickedness thanked God that they were his holy children. Had the insurrection been led by just any Israelite, it would have been serious enough, but Korah was a Levite, one who held the holy priesthood, and should therefore have been one of those in the forefront of obedience rather than of rebellion. 
Moses' question to him in verses 9 and 10 are very pointed ones. The prophet Joseph Smith made a significant change in verse 10. It should read, Seek ye the high priesthood also. Instead of having a sense of awe and gratitude that he had the honor of being a Levite, Korah and those with him sought to take the higher priesthood and the leadership of Israel unto themselves. This was a serious crisis in the political and religious life of Israel, and the Lord chose to deal with it in a direct and dramatic manner. The Lord commanded both Aaron and the legitimate priesthood holders and Korah and those who followed him to bring censers and incense to the tabernacle. A censer was a small metal container made to hold hot coals taken from the altar of the tabernacle. During the tabernacle service, the officiating priest was required to sprinkle incense on the burning coals of the altar of incense, which stood directly in front of the veil of the, of the tabernacle. Other scriptures indicate that the burning of incense was a symbol of prayer suggesting that God can only be approached by in holy supplication. By asking each group to bring censers and incense, the Lord set up a test very similar to that of Elijah's contest with the priests of Baal. In that instance, false worshipers were asked to call upon God for a sign that Baal had power. When they failed, the Lord gave a dramatic physical witness that he was God. Fire from heaven consumed not just the sacrifice, but also the altar. Here, Korah, and his supporters were asked to bring fire from the before the Lord as a symbol of their prayers and supplication for his support of their cause. Instead, the earth opened up and swallowed the leaders of the of the rebellion and found and fire came down and consumed the other two hundred and fifty who presumed to take priesthood power unto themselves. And that was all out of the institute manual verse forty one but on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. So here, right away, they murmur again. Man. And it came to pass, when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron, that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation. And behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation that I may consume them in a, as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer and put, coal there, uh, put fire therein from off the altar, and put on incense, and go quickly in, unto the congregation and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. And Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was begun among the people, and he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Now they, had, they that died in the plague were 14,700, beside them that died about, about the manner of Korah. And Aaron returned unto Moses unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the plague was stayed. So that's the end of the chapter, but I want to read a little bit more about some some things that are going on here. Brief as is the record of these 38 years, it contains a notice of two events, both in rebellion against the Lord. The first gives an account of a man who had openly violated the divine law by gathering sticks upon the Sabbath day. Although the punishment of death had been awarded to such a presumptuous sin, the offender was in the first place put in ward partly to own the owned the Lord by specially asking him direction, his direction, since only the punishment itself, but not its mode, had been previously indicated, and partly perhaps to impress all Israel with the solemnity of the manner of the matter. Due observance of the Lord's day was indeed very from every point of view 
a question of deepest importance to Israel, and the offender was by divine direction brought without the camp and stoned with stones, and he died. We are not told at what particular period of the wanderings of Israel this event had occurred. It is apparently inserted as an instance of illustration immediately after the warning against presumptuous sins. Literally, sins with a hand uplifted against Jehovah. These sins, in open contempt of God's word, involve the punishment of being cut off from the people of the Lord. Nor have we any precise date by which to fix the other and far more serious instance of rebellion on the part of Korah and his associates, in which afterwards the people as a whole were implicated. There is, however, reason to suppose that it occurred at an early period of the wanderings, perhaps an already, as already suggested at Rimon Perez, the leaders of this rebellion were Korah, a Levite, descendant of Izar, the brother of Amran, and therefore a, lead, a near relative of Aaron, and three Reubenites, Dathan, and Abiran, and On. But as the latter is not further mentioned, we may suppose that he early withdrew from the conspiracy. These men gained over on their side no fewer than 250 princes from among the other tribes, all of them members of the National Representative Council and men of renown, or, as we should express it, well-known leading men. Thus the movement assumed very large proportions and evidenced widespread uh, disaffection and, and dissatisfaction. <clears throat> the motives of this conspiracy seem plain enough. They were simply jealous and disappointed ambition, though the rebels assumed the language of a higher spirituality. As descended from a brother of Aaron, Korah disliked and perhaps coveted what seemed to him the supremacy of Aaron, for which he could see no valid reason. He had also a special grievance of his own. True, he was one of that family of the Korathites to whom the chief Levitical charge in the sanctuary had been committed, but then the Korathites numbered four families." And the leadership of the whole was entrusted not to any of the older branches, but to the youngest, the Uziliites. Was there not manifest wrong and injustice in this, probably affecting Korah personally? It speaks well for the Levites as a whole that notwithstanding all this, Korah was unable to get any of them in his conspiracy. But close to to the tents of the Korathites and of Korah was the encampment of the tribe of Reuben, who held command of the, of, the, of the division on the south side of the camp. Possibly, and indeed the narrative of, the, of their punishment seems to imply this, the tent of Korah and those of the Rubinic princes, Dothan and Abiram and On, were contiguous. And Reuben also had a grievance, for he was not Reuben's, Reuben Jacob's firstborn, who should therefore have held the leadership among the tribes. It was not difficult to kindle the flame of jealousy in an eastern breast. What claim or right had Moses, or rather the tribe of Levi, whom he represented, to supremacy in Israel? Assuredly, this was a grievous wrong and an intolerable usurpation, primarily as it affected Reuben and secondarily all the other tribes. This explains the ready participation of so many of the princes in the conspiracy, the expostulation of Moses with Korah, and his indignant appeal to God against the implied charges of the Reubenites. Indeed, the conspirators expressly stated that uh, expressly stated these views as follows. Sufficient for you, that is, you, Moses and Aaron, have long enough held the priesthood and the government, for the whole congregation are all holy, and in the midst of them Jehovah. And why exalt ye yourselves over the convocation of Jehovah? It will be observed that the pretense which they put forward to cover their selfish ambition ambitious motives was that of a higher spirituality which recognized none other than the spiritual priesthood of all Israel. 
but as we shall presently show, their claim to it was not founded on the typical mediatorship of the high priest, but but on their standing as Israel after the flesh. The whole of this history is so sad, the judgment which followed it is so terrible, finding no other parallel than that which in the New Testament church overtook Ananias and and Sapphira, and the rebellion itself is so frequently referred to in Scripture that it requires more special consideration. The rebellion of Korah, as it is generally called from its prime mover, was, of course, an act of direct opposition to the appointment of God, but this was not all. The principle expressed in their gainsaying ran directly counter to the whole design of the of the old of the old covenant and would if carried out have entirely subverted its typical character it was indeed quite true that all israel were holy and priests yet not in virtue of their birth or national standing but through the typical priesthood of aaron who brought them nigh and was their intermediator with god <clears throat> again this priesthood of aaron as indeed all similar selections such as those of the place where and the seasons when god would be worshiped of the of the composition of the in, incense or of the sacrifices, although there may have been secondary and subordinate reasons for them, dependent in in the first place and mainly upon God's appointment. Him whom the Lord had, hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. Whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. Every other service, fire or place, than that which God had chosen would, however, however well and earnestly intended, be strange, service strange, fire and a strange place this was essential for the t- for the typical hearing of all or the typical bearing of all these arrangements it was god's appointment and not the natural fitness of a person or thing which here came into consideration if otherwise they would have been natural consequences not types con- constituting a rational rather than a divine service it was of a, nat- a nature of a type that god should appoint the earthly emblem with which he would con- connect the spiritual reality the moment israel deviated in any detail however small they not only rebelled against god's appointment but destroyed the meaning of the whole by substituting the human and natural for the divine the types were so to speak mirrors of god's own fitting which exhibited as already present future spiritual realities with all their blessings in christ all such types have ceased because the reality to which they pointed has has come this digression seemed necessary alike for the proper understanding of the history of Korah and for that of the typical arrangements of the Old Testament. But to return, on the morning following the outbreak of the rebellion, Korah and his 250 associates presented themselves, as Moses had proposed, at the door of the tabernacle. Here they took every man his censer and put fire in them and laid incense thereon. Indeed, Korah had gained such influence that he was now able to gather there all the congregation as against Moses and Aaron. Almost had the wrath of God, whose glory visibly appeared before all, consumed this congregation in a moment, when the intercession of Moses and Aaron once more prevailed in these words, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou be wroth with all the congregation? Moses made his appeal to the general grace of creation, praying that, as God was the creator and maker of the world, he would not destroy man whom he had created, but rather have pity on the work of his hands. And so there is a plea for mercy and an unspeakable privilege, even in the fact of being the creatures of such a God. Leaving the rebels with their censers at the door of the tabernacle, perhaps panic-struck, Moses next repaired to the tents of Dathan and Abiram, accompanied by the elders and followed by the congregation. On the previous day, the two 
Reubenites had refused to meet Moses and sent him a taunting reply, suggesting that he only intended to blind the people. And now when Dathan and Abiram, with their wives and children, came out and stood at the door of their tents, as it were, to challenge what Moses could do, the people were first solemnly warned away from them. Then a judgment new and unheard of was announced and immediately executed. The earth opened her mouth and swallowed up these rebels and their families who, with all that appertained to them, that is, with, with such as had taken part in their crime. As for Korah, the same fate seems to have overtaken him, but it is an emphatic testimony alike to the truth of God's declaration that his punishment not that he punisheth not men for the sins of their fathers, and to the piety of the of the Levites that the sons of Korah did not share in the rebellion of their father, and consequently died not with him. More than this, not only were Samuel and afterwards Heman descendants of Korah, but among them were some of those sweet singers of Israel whose hymns, divinely inspired, were intended for the church at all times. And all the psalms of the sons of Korah have this common characteristic, which sounds like an echo of the lesson learned from the solemn judgment upon them, because, or upon their house, that their burden is praise of the king who is enthroned at Jerusalem, and longing after the services of God's sanctuary. But as for the two hundred and fifty men that offered incense, there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed them, as on a former occasion it had destroyed Nabat, Nadab, and Abihu. Their censers, which had been hallowed by being pre- presented before the Lord, were converted into plates for covering the altar of, of burnt offering, that so they might be a continual memorial unto the children of Israel of the event and its teaching. <clears throat> this, this signal judgment of God upon the rebels had in, indeed struck the people who witnessed it with such with sudden awe, but it led not to that repentance which results from a change of heart. The impression passed away, and on the morrow nothing remained but the thought that so many princes of tribes who had sought to vindicate tribal independence had been cut off for the sake of Moses. It was in their cause, the people would would argue, that that these men had died, and the mourning in the tents of the princes, the desolateness which marked what had but yesterday been habitations of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, would only give a poignancy to the feeling that with this event a yoke of bondage had been forever riveted upon the nation, for they recognized not the purpose and meaning of God. This would have implied spiritual discernment, only that, if judgment had proceeded from Jehovah, it had come, if not at the instigation of, yet in order to vindicate Moses and Aaron. In their ingratitude, they even forgot that, but for the intercession of those two, the whole congregation would have perished in the gainsaying of Korah. So truly did did that generation prove the justice of the divine sentence that none of their number should enter into the land of Canaan, and so entirely unfit did their conduct, as of old that of Esau, show them for inheriting the promises. But as for Moses and Aaron, when the congregation was once more gathered against them with this cr- cruel and unjust charge at their on their lips, ye have killed the people of Jehovah, they almost instinctively faced towards the tent of meeting, as the place where uh, whence their help came and to which their appeal was now made. Nor did they look in vain. Denser and more closely 
Then before did the cloud cover the tabernacle, and from out of it burst visibly the, the luminous glory of Jehovah. And as Moses and Aaron entered the court of the tabernacle, Jehovah spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation, and I will consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces, but what was Moses to plead? He knew that already was, was wrath gone forth from Jehovah, and the plague had begun. What could he now say in the rebellion at Mount Horeb, Again at Kadesh, and but the day before at the gainsaying of Korah, he had exhausted every argument. No similar plea, nor indeed any plea remained. Then it was, in the hour of deepest need, when every argument that even faith could suggest had been taken away, and Israel was, so to speak, lost, that all the sufficiency of the divine provision in its vicarious and mediatorial character appeared. Although as yet only typical, it proved all-sufficient. The incense kindled on the coals taken from the altar of burnt offering, where the sacrifices had been brought, typified the accepted mediatorial intercession of our great high priest. And now, when there was absolutely no plea upon earth, this typical pleading of his perfect righteousness and intercession prevailed. Never before or after was the gospel so preached under the Old Testament as when Aaron, at Moses' direction, took the censer and, having filled it with, filled it from the altar, ran into the midst of the congregation and put an incense and made an atonement for the people. <clears throat> and as he stood with, his, with the, that censer between the dead and the living, the plague, which had already swept away not less than 14,700 men, was stayed. Thus, if Korah's assumption of the priestly functions had caused the exercise of the typical priesthood now removed the plague, but the truth which God now taught the people was not to be exhibited only in judgment. After the storm and the earthquake came the still small voice, and the typical import of the Aaronic priesthood was presented under a beautiful symbol. But direction uh, by direction of God, a rod for each of the twelve tribes bearing the respective names of their princes was laid up in the most holy place before the Ark of the Covenant. And on the morrow, when Moses entered the sanctuary before the rod Behold, the rod of Aaron for the, for the house of Levi had budded and brought forth buds and bl bloomed blossoms and yielded almonds. The symbolical teaching of this was plain. Each of these rods was a ruler's staff, the emblem of a tribe and its government. This was the natural position of all these princes of Israel, but theirs as well as Aaron's were rods cut off from the parent stem and therefore incapable of putting forth verdure bearing blossom or yielding fruit in the sanctuary of God. By nature, then, there was absolutely no difference between Aaron and the other princes. All were equally incapable of the new life of fruitfulness. What distinguished Aaron's rod was the selection of God and the miraculous gift bestowed upon it. And then, typically in the old, but re really in the new dispensation, that rod bust at the same time with into branches unto blossom, and even into fruit, all these three combined, and all appearing at the same time. And so these princes took every man his rod, but Aaron's rod was again brought before the Ark of the Covenant, and kept there for a token. Nor was even the choice of, for, of the almond, which blossoms first of trees, without its deep meaning, for the almond, which bursts earliest into flower and fruit, is called in Hebrew the waker. Thus, as the early waker of the Aaronic the Aaronic priesthood, with its buds, blossoms, and fruit, was typical of the better priesthood when the Son of Righteousness would rise with healing in his wings. Sorry for the long explanation, but that uh, I thought that might be helpful in understanding better what's going on here with these uh, people that are getting killed and, and so on. 
the significance of the Levitical sections as they follow up upon number 17 will, uh, will be apparent to the attentive reader, but this is not the place to enter further on the subject. And that was by Alfred Edersheim. Anyway, uh, that's the end of the chapter, and we'll see you next time. Sorry it was a little bit long, but I uh, thought it may be interesting. Maybe not. Okay, see you next time.